Welcome to Mostly Talk. This week we're interviewing another captain of industry about life, the universe and everything in between. Find out more at mostly.consulting. Great to get Bob Keeler's insights last episode. This episode, we speak to Kirsten Gove, former newsreader for North Tonight. We talk about social media, her career in media and navigating a career path. Find out a bit more about what we do at Mostly.Consulting. Kirsten, how are you? Very well. I have uh, got my coffee here and I'm happy to talk to you. It's a beautiful day. Homemade coffee or did you you pop out? No, 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 no. Up and out early to my favourite local little cafe. Um, Is that that a ritual? You go there every day? Uh, Try to at some point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm supporting local and feeding my mocha addiction. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Are you, are you a gym goer? Do you go exercise first thing in the morning or what's your thing? I would love to say yes. Wouldn't, I would love to be that type of person who did that, yes. Uh, I'm a, I've been a sporadic gym goer over the years. Um, but uh, I have one of these at the moment. Yes, that is a walking stick um, because I have, I've had it... F- probably all my life it's been there or thereabouts nothing major at all when you think what's going on in the world but I've got a bit of arthritis so I was away having a little um procedure uh yesterday um and you hide it you hide it well you'd never know like you you don't you'd hide it very well you'd never know you can hide all manner of things (laughs) (laughs) behind a laptop (laughs) that's what people used to say to him when i read the news you know it's like say are you just are you just tidily dressed from the waist up and uh, i don't know what they expected but and that's how that's how i know you that's probably a good place to start because i know (laughs) you from the news right so i grew up um you know my whole whole childhood would watch the news so you should point out that you're a lot younger than me Slightly, but you're not you're not much older than me. Stop thinking about it. But then, uh, so I was quite cool. We met in Aberdeen, kind of a, a work-related thing uh, last year, I think it was. And it's like I think you're well, actually. Such... It was earlier this year. It seems last year. You know, with with all, everything that's happened. Is it January or February? January then? Yeah, yeah. It was at the yeah. beginning of the year, oh, and yeah. we met because of major accident hazards and bow ties. Yeah, exciting stuff, and and yeah, you're uh, you've got a better memory than I do. So although you're you're mm-hmm. you're on a stick, your mind's obviously fresh because mm-hmm. I honestly thought it was I thought it was last year, but but uh, yeah, and and I I, uh, I was really interested to speak to you because you've had such a like a, a really interesting career, quite unique, would you say, and, and what you've done and absolutely and, yeah. And you're fourteen. Is it fourteen years you're with ITV or STV? Yeah, 14, 15 years, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and like I I find it interesting because I, I like to help uh, people because when I came out of school, it's very hard to get a direction in life, right? Yeah. And, and you just like stumble into things and, and, and there's very few people that go, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a, you know, a, a gymnast or a hockey player or a football player. 
and just go in that direction. Yeah. And it, there's a lot of people that just feel, I don't know, I, I don't think we're that unique in it. You feel a bit lost. But what's your, how did you well, get into to TV? I completely agree. And I should, I think I've thought about it um, much more recently because, um, as you know, because we've obviously you know, had conversations before this that, you know, I have um, teenage children who, one of whom was already away at university and, and I've kind of come to the, the, the conclusion that we, we meet young people trying to decide on their career paths a bit too early, you know, because I certainly didn't know really what, and I could never have predicted ending up up here, but um, my path to, to journalism was, um, it wasn't direct. And I had sat my hires in fifth year at, Aberdeen Grammar School, grade school, and um, I'd done rather well. And I hadn't applied to go to university uh, in my fifth year. I just kind of expected that that would all take place during sixth year, then you'd apply and you'd go after that. But um, I did rather well, and I had the, the most fantastic guidance teacher at school, who I have a lot to be thankful to. She sadly passed away last year, but yeah. we stayed in touch, and she was... She ended up, she was one of my best friends. Um, yeah. And she recognised that I'd done quite well. And I think she said something to me along the lines of, oh, Kirsten, you'll just be wasting your time in sixth year. Well, yes, maybe. Um, I might have had a lot of fun, I don't know. But um, uh, she, she um, arranged for me to go and meet with, um, with lovely gentleman at Aberdeen University and I had an interview, went along in my Aberdeen Grammar School uniform and uh, we had a chat about what I was good at at school and what I thought I might like to do and uh, at the end of that meeting he shook my hand and said well welcome to Aberdeen University. What just happened there? Um, so I, uh, I kind of based my degree around what I'd just been sitting my hires in and and I, I had um, focused strongly on languages so mm. um, the degree course I went on was German and international politics I did a joint degree international relations it was called was that quite was that quite a strange thing to study like German people would go like why are you studying German yeah yeah it was and um I know you shouldn't have any regrets, and I, and, I, and I don't, but I know it probably wasn't the course for me, and I think now hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I think if I'd um, perhaps done that sixth year, I'd have gone for law. Okay. And it would have been a whole different... But in the German thing. language, it's probably, it teaches you loads about language in general, and it could have, it served you well, right? Because you... Oh, you know, it was great. And, and it, by, the, but by the time I finished the degree, because the, the, the middle part in third year, uh, I went to a German university. So oh, wow. I was um, just 19 years old and had quite a nice, gentle little life here in Aberdeen. And then I was wheeled off to a place called Rostock in East Germany. Now, this was 19... I'm going to give my age away here, but this was 1992, James. Oh. And um, Germany had only been reunified for three years. Wow. So reunification had taken place while well, the Berlin Wall came down in 89. 
And then by 92, I was over living in uh, Rostock, which wasn't, wasn't the prettiest of places. Sometimes when you, th you, know, you think of places in Germany and beautiful southern Germany and Bavaria, what have you, this is very much a, quite That's an industrial cool. town. There's yeah. my walking stick falling on the floor there. Um, <laughs> and uh, and at, at that time, it was plagued by um, quite well-documented problems between um, asylum seekers who were being housed there and uh, neo-Nazis. Yes, were um, unhappy about their presence, and it was it was a uh, uh, you and they're not knowing any of this, right? Yeah, no, no, and then I went, you know, Kirsten from Aberdeen, and then I went. Uh, the university wasn't really set up for uh, foreign students at that time, and mm. despite re um, reunification, Rostock still hadn't really been pulled into um, the capitalist West yet, and it was it was it was a, a hotbed. Of all sorts of things so um, I was very homesick to start with and yeah. um, but latterly and communication after, after almost a year I loved the independence of look at me living in a foreign country all by myself but then, but then you're you consider your badge as a communications expert in some respects and at the time how would you communicate would you you know you didn't have emails at the time I don't suppose bizarrely by experience in Germany was the first time I ever heard of something called email and there were two American students there it's very funny because during lockdown and um, all of the students who came from out with Germany we've all met up together again wow. on Facebook wow. <laughs> uh, talking of reunions and what have you but but there were these um, lovely two uh, American guys and they were ahead of the curve as far as technology is concerned and they would sneak off to a, some building or other which seemed very very secretive and what have you but they were just they were going to try and use email and we were like email what's that and that was the first time we'd ever heard about it but no for communication I used to save up um and it was before the euro my gosh I am old and there were these huge five Deutschmark pieces they were about the size of your palm these big ones and I used to save them up and then I'd have to wait on a street corner for the, the big yellow phone box that served the entire student um, accommodation block. We'd just wait on dark street corners with my five mark pieces and phone home. And that was it. That was communication. Wow. And, and letter writing. Still love a letter. Letter writing. I photo didn't... sending. So you didn't send it with, with this, James. You actually took a physical photo on film and had it developed and sent it. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, were you good? Were you? Did you keep in touch with your mum? Were you quite sort of independent and rebellious and things at the time? No, I um, I, I kept in touch with my mum. It was my mum that I was always phoning um, uh, at the side of the um, on the pavements, waiting to phone her. And um, we did a lot of travelling. The student body, the foreign student body, were there. We did a lot of travelling in, in Germany. It may still have it. I don't know. They had a fantastic um, cheap travel for young people it was called the ban card and uh, you got 50 percent off all travel everywhere so we did a lot of traveling and went to you know throughout through poland and hungary wow. and czechoslovakia when these places were still you know coming out from behind the iron curtain so that's it, a real it, adventure though at that age do you know that's exciting it, it, it yeah it, it, i didn't realize it just as much at the time and it's funny because all these students have um, we've all got back together on Facebook during the summer 
I've gone and dug out my old photo albums. Wow. <laughs> and looked, oh my gosh, they were where, you know. Before, and then as a, as a mum, you know, you kind of, you got so much from that experience and you want to give your kids, like, or allow them to do their own thing in some respects. And Yeah, in some respects, but at the same time, James, I'd be horrified if I thought that um, my daughter probably was now the same age as I was when I was in Germany is experiencing some of the same things. There was one night where um, I also remember it being very dark. Everything seemed to be dark. It got dark very, you think I'd be used to that living in Scotland, but my memories are often, it was very dark at night and we'd go for a walk and we were overheard speaking in English because there were two Americans and um, three British students, I can't even remember where we were out walking and um, we were overheard speaking English and we ended up being chased mm. by these skinheads and it was utterly terrifying. We all got split up and I, I remember hiding behind a supermarket um, while I heard them running past purely because we were speaking English and they were out for a fight. Now, if I thought for a second that my children were experiencing that anywhere, I you know, I'd, I'd get on a plane and go and take them away. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it was just, yeah, that's what happened. And, uh, and it made you the, the strong person that you are today in many respects, like your career that you've had. You probably wouldn't have had it if you, if you didn't have those sort of early life experiences, you'd say. I, I, uh, not just that. It all, it all contributes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think just being exposed to different challenges. Hmm. Um, that and you think, well, I got through that, or I <laughs> survived that in that case, that one, um, I got through it and it was okay. So it gives you the confidence to, to do and more. Then, and then you had a kind of a couple of jobs at university and then you, you stumbled into to the STV or did you, you apply for something? I applied for a job which I wasn't totally qualified for. Um, mm. And when I'd, so I, so I did five years at university in total because of that third year that was spent abroad. And I would say for the fourth and fifth year when I came back, I found that I was really enjoying the international relations side of my degree a lot more than I was German. Because when you study a language, you look at literature and, you know, reading a lot of Bertolt Brecht and what have you. And that, that wasn't really for me. But when you did international relations, you were looking at diplomacy and you know, international terrorism and yeah, I, I really got my teeth into that and got got probably my better grades for um, you know my kind of discursive essays around that than I was getting for German language and literature but um, and so when I left uni I had lined up um, work experience here at Aberdeen Journals and Aberdeen Journals and produce the present journal and Evening Express, among other, other things, um, up here in, in Aberdeen. And I pretty much decided that I didn't want to use German as part of my degree, but I really did fancy journalism. And I was a way to say back in the day, that is such an old wifey phrase. But <laughs> at that time, there weren't the what there wasn't this great choice of media courses that you get now. Uh, mm. I think if you go in, if you wanted to study journalism, I think there were options at Napier and I think in Glasgow, was it maybe Glasgow Cali? Couldn't be sure. Mm. That was it. You know, you think nowadays you don't just get, 
the opportunity to, to study journalism, but there's all the multimedia courses and things that don't exist now. Yes. But I mean, so I did the work experience and I'd been accepted to begin their, their course, which I think was down at um, Newcastle Way in the autumn of that year, where you would be taught shorthand and um, Scots law for journalism. And there was a job came up in the paper um, at Grampian TV for those who may watch this, they would go Grampian TV, which was the precursor to STV North. Mm. And um, as a child growing up in Aberdeen, you grew up with Grampian TV and it was very much a local channel. And it was for a, a news reporter. And I can't remember if it said Inverness or not, but it was for a news reporter. And I remember applying at the time, the, 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 the bravery of youth thinking, but I'm not, I don't have any, I've just got some work experience at the journals. You know, what, why would they pick me? Well, it was one of the best moves of, of my, my life because um, unbeknownst to me, what they, what they had an idea of doing was doing an internal transfer. Mm. And one of the, the reporters in the Aberdeen newsroom was from Inverness, took the job in Inverness, and in Aberdeen they created two news assistant roles. And I got one of those. Um, Karen Powell, as she was at the time. Um, and I'm still in touch with her today. She had the other role. And, and we it, went in there and we were taught the ropes by really seasoned, uh, experienced journalists. And exciting. So you're, you're kind of inquisitive and you, you get, you know, like a dog with a bone, you just get a, a story and you, 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 you ask a lot of questions. And, I'm inquisitive, and, yes. I'm thorough, I'm nosy. Yeah. I like to know facts and you know to this day I can't watch something um, on TV without sitting with my phone googling throughout a program wanting to know more yes uh, and I'm fascinated by um, always always was when I was growing up and I remember just being absolutely captivated by the big stories that were in the news throughout the 80s and um, obviously here in Aberdeen it was Piper Alpha. Yeah. Um, but also at that time, there were so many tragic stories. There was the uh, Bradford Stadium fire. There was, Lockerbie? When would, would that be somewhere? Lockerbie. Sorry? It was Lockerbie. Lockerbie. Yes, Lockerbie. Yeah. And I remember t in my, I was still at school at that time, and I remember thinking, gosh, this is a story which has been uh, headline news for, for every night for the longest period I could remember. And at that time, we just had three or maybe four channels. But I remember it was it was the top of the news. Not something that every teenager would maybe think of, but I remember thinking, gosh, this is a big story because it's it's been headlining the news from, when was Lockerbie? Was it about the 20th, 21st kind of of December of that year, all throughout Christmas and beyond. Um, there was a fire at King's Cross, um, tube station. Horrible. Horrible uh, At the moment, I can like turn off my phone. We wouldn't watch much news just because it can be bloody depressing, right? But when you're a newsreader, is it all consuming? You've got a topic to run with for a, a fortnight. You don't know how long it's going to end. You know, particularly these big sort of tragedies, tragedies and stuff. Are... Well, thankfully, I would say during my time, these these long stories were much more few and far between than they were in that period that I remember in the mid to late eighties. Yeah. Um, and stories, yeah, they, they were 
all-consuming, but it, but not just the the, the big ones. Um, and I remember uh, a very local story, which meant so much to me, was that it was one year when the number of um, fatalities on northeast roads, the number of young people being killed on northeast roads, uh, the figures had rocketed at that time, and they included a friend of mine who I was at school with, and it it, it brought it so close to me that I persuaded my news editor to let me do a, a series of programs about the, the human effects of wow. losing somebody in a in a road crash. It's somebody who you say goodbye to at the door, mm. and they don't come home just because they've been driving somewhere and. Um, and I remember going out and seeking families and speaking to families and remaining friends with families who'd lost loved ones in, in road accidents. And, um, and what was the what was the increases look at localized to the northeast because of I guess the oil wealth and fast cars and stuff? Or well, you know, I can't. I, I mean, it's a long time ago, but I mean, obviously, I involved in, had a lot of input from the police, but um, it was tended to be happening on sort of the country roads around here yeah and you can be um you can just be five minutes out of Aberdeen and you're, you're into sort of country windy roads yes and, uh, yeah but 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 I mean I'm going way off tangent here but you know I I, 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 I did find I got very passionate and invested in stories yes and but so, then it, to, the, to the point that it's the last thing you think of and the first thing you think of in the or first thing you think of the night and first thing you think of in the morning or is it is it you know you manage to switch off and and, and... Uh, oh it, it it depends yes i think um i think when probably my life was uh wasn't led by family and and children you know when i was still you know, my thoughts were a lot more, cons could be consumed with that a lot more. Um, if I went through a period when, you know, children are young and the first thing you wake up and you're thinking, <laughs> oh God, I've got that pat lunch to make and all this kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, as you well know, young children yourself. Um, but yeah, so, so I mean, I was, I was so lucky, so lucky in my career um, and, and being at Grampian and then it was STB, um, it taught me a lot. It opened up opportunities to go places to meet people um, a confidence to give me a, a just confidence to speak in public and um, yeah it's it's and uh, what's it your where I am now I don't know I don't know but well, it's, it's it's cool and like even it's it's not as if it was a short-lived thing it was like 14 years it's a significant amount of time right you're listening to Mostly Talk. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a review? Thanks for listening. Now, back to it. What's your views on, like you see, fake news gets talked about a lot now. And, and uh, it's very, like, you talk about the attention economy. So there's so many different devices, different platforms, different people that want your attention. And 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 there is the concept of fake news. And I don't know if you watched the, the programme, uh, the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. But they talked about, uh, you know, fake news spreads six times faster than facts. And it's that sort of sensationalizing the truth in order to capture people's attention. But I guess within STV uh, or North uh, North Tonight, it was... 
it was kind of like uh, you have integrity, right? And you'd have a journalist journalism code and things about about how you report facts and and how you how you investigate things and and, and report on things accurately. Is that is that true? Whereas yeah, yeah. now anyone can make up a headline and or spread something on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And it, yeah, kind of, uh, it lacks. I, you know, I. It, it's worth pointing out that you know when I left STV, I would say the only real um, social media platform that, well, Facebook was on the go because that was two thousand six, two thousand seven, um, but it still really wasn't linked to news at that time when I left. It was still the place where you would share photos of your cat and your dog you know and everything it really was and that's that's still what I choose to use it for I yeah. don't you know personally or my own I just use it for silly pictures and what have you I don't use it for news or for politicizing or anything like that but that's that's my choice um but yeah the the uh, it's a it's a different landscape it's a different news landscape now and I can only imagine that for my my colleagues who are still there and who worked in newsrooms at the same time as I did, you know, what, what an absolute transformation, what a difference. And now in a communications role, you know, there's so much out there. There's a lot of noise and it's about making sure that you're giving people what they need and making sure that they know it's there. And it, and it's, it's tricky, it's tricky, James. I don't know where it's all going to end. And that's that, that, um, documentary on Netflix I fully intend to watch it I was going to watch it at the weekend but I can't remember what, what happened oh yeah I think I was working and uh, I'm almost scared to watch it mm. I think I said to you before I'm, I'm, I'm almost scared to watch this this documentary um, about about the social media taking over our lives the trailer said, uh, you're, it's, I've got rid of my phone now. I was scared about how much my phone's watching me. Well, And, and the summary is it's all these former people who worked in tech companies such as Google, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, that have had these realisations when they're in those roles that like, it's kind of the, the road to hell is paved with, with good intent in some ways. You know, these companies came about out of nowhere and they didn't necessarily know what they're creating. And now that they've created this monster... It's like, oh, it's like all consuming and, and teen suicide rates. There's anxiety, there's, you know, a phone addiction, et cetera, that is an issue, you know, and I see it myself. I've, I've woke up before and the first thing I wanted to do was go to my phone, see if there's any notifications from friends all around the world. Yeah. And it's, I am so, um, before, before um, COVID came and took over our lives, I felt so sorry, actually for um, my kids and for their generation that they, they're never going to experience what it was like to come home from school and leave whatever was going on at school socially, I'm not talking about homework here or anything, but leave all that at the front door or at the school gates and get a break from it all mm. until the next day. Um, I don't think, I don't know, I don't know where it's all going to end up, but I know that in my my children growing up they've never had that opportunity and and my my daughter um who's quite a wise a wise old owl she's she has discussed it with me and said oh mom it would be quite i'd have loved 
to have grown up like you without social media. Um, and, right. I, and probably because, I mean, I've been involved with, with talking to school children um, over the past few years about the dangers of social media. And I mean that, the dangers of social media. You know, and, and the themes that we've talked about have changed over the years as young people's you know, usage of these um, different digital options has changed. <clears throat> and sometimes the secretive nature of it, the passive aggression that can yes. come from it, the bullying, you know, the simple message that if if you're about to type something about anyone or in, in anywhere, that if it was said about you, that would make you cry when you go to your bed at night or feel upset, don't write it. Don't write it. Um, the same principles about don't, whenever you write something, and send it, if you say to somebody, oh, don't tell anyone I said this, as soon as you write something, you have no control over where that is going to end up and the hurt that it may potentially cause. Yes, yeah. Um, I think social media has come in to you know, young people's feelings and just, But then it's, them. it's kind of difficult, right? Because I, I, I was involved with Facebook, you know, I'm a little bit younger than you, obviously not, not that much younger, but, um, I had Facebook in my 20s for a wee while when I was a bachelor and it's like you know all that sort of sharing photographs and connecting with people and and even you meet someone when you're traveling and it's like you connect and let's let's share our story on Facebook and stuff and it got to the point of you know actually this is a waste of time you know I'm I'm like I'm flicking through this feed and it consumes an hour or two hours of my day and I learn nothing so I gave up on it and I turned my back on it for for a lot of years and I, I, I kind of rebelled against social media. I had LinkedIn because it was a platform for maintaining a professional profile and, and, you know, I can find out what's happening in the market or, you know, is there jobs about yeah. apply for jobs, et cetera, through LinkedIn. So I always thought LinkedIn was probably a lot more beneficial than Facebook. I didn't bother with Twitter. I didn't ever get into it. Instagram, I never got into it. And I never really got my head around it. I've kind of started experimenting with it from a business perspective now, but then I'm like, it's a choice, you know, and, and I think lockdowns driven people to social media because it's, it's entertainment. It's, it's a way to connect to people. It's a way to uh, learn stuff, but then it's, it's addictive as hell, you know, and, and you watch that documentary and it's like the employee leading, you know, psychologists and all sorts to work out, this is what human behavior is. Let's, yeah. let's make people so addicted to this technology. And it's, it's a choice now, whether you use social media or not. And it doesn't have to be binary, you know, for me, I think you can bound it up and, and say, listen, for two hours in the morning, I'm going to do LinkedIn and because it's, I need it for business. And outside of that, I don't need my phone beside me. You know, I, I'm lucky that I have my family, my close loved ones in the same house as me. So I, I don't necessarily need to 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 communicate with them all the time because I've got I've only got a young family, yeah. but it's like uh, one day it'll come where they'll have mobile phones and they'll be out in the world and it's like I don't know I feel that the behaviours that I exhibit now as a parent are the ones that they'll pick up on you know, so your daughter saw a hardworking person in you, and and she ultimately studied and worked hard because of that, and I, I can. I don't, I don't, I'd be horrified if my kids had phones at the age of 10. But if I'm on my phone all the time and then I say to them, you can't use your phone or don't use your phone, then it's like, it's kind of like I have to lead by example, I feel, and, and really 
and kind of resist. Then you, 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 you have to factor in peer pressure as well. Massive as well, right? Massive. Enormous, yeah. enormous peer pressure. And kids with phones, it's like, well, you know, I don't know, my friend's got a mobile phone now, my friend's got an iPhone 6 or an 8 or 10X, whatever it's called now, can I get a new one? And it's like, you know, you'll have all those, that, those dilemmas and stuff as a, as a parent, I can imagine when, I, when our kids are older. And it's, it's so difficult because I, you know, everyone's susceptible to peer pressure, aren't they? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, for sure. I don't know where and, it ends, really. No, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I, I don't want my children to grow up too quickly. But at the same time, I feel that, um, you know, the, the children using social media, the maturity levels have to catch up. Uh, because they're, they're, they're wee minds in primary school with phones and they're getting Snapchat, what have you, because they, they know about it and they've got big brothers or sisters who are using them or and the ones who don't, aren't using it are getting pressured. I think, you know, they're, they're, wee minds aren't ready for all of this and the, the, the delicacies about it and the dangers and, and it's just, it's just a shame. And I, I think there's so much, um, pressure on young people these days and even with and, and probably going off topic here but uh, with coronavirus and all the effects that, that goodness knows how that how long that's going to last but it's just a generation which you know is getting slammed by this really yeah you know, people will say to me how are you how are you enjoying working at home I said yeah I'm, I'm great working at home it's it, it's fine and trying to think well why why is that but when I was you know, in my early 20s, and I was working at, at uh, Grampian TV, as it was then, and, and, you know, it was my social life. Uh, I needed to be in there to learn the ropes from uh, the, the seasoned journalists in there. I needed to learn skills and look to them. And, uh, and so I understand you young people you know, going into jobs and, and suddenly they're, they're working at home and their, you know, their social lives are brought into, um, are, are tied down and everything. It's a blooming shame, really is a blooming shame. Yeah, and all the etiquette, I suppose, and the, the norms associated with whether it's social media or working from home, it's like it's all new territory in lots of ways. So, you know, to expect a, a 21-year-old to stare at a bloody computer screen at home in their attic or in their, you know, in their... Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. it's crazy, but, you know, the world's, you know, humans are very adaptable and they can, you know, they can change massively. It's just, uh, it's just like even having, you know, guidance as to, you know, how you do get balance in your day when you're expected to sit at home and how you do get social interaction, face-to-face yeah, interaction, so critical, right? Completely, and, yeah. And it's, it's so difficult right now and even as we go into more lockdowns and it, it looks like it's not going anywhere in the UK for some time. It's like the fiber, the fibers of society have just been, just been destroyed really, you know, restaurant culture and, and, you know, even clubbing and all these fun things that young people do. It's like there's restrictions on them. It's, it's tough. It's life, but not as we know it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I like to it think. That's a Star that, Trek quote, isn't it? What was that? Sorry. Yeah. Star Trek quote. Maybe I was never into Star Trek. I was... No, neither was I. No, but I think I think that maybe is. Goodness knows where that came from. Who was your favourite inspiration in terms of your career, though? When you were, you know, you oh, talked about your guidance teacher, but 
in your as a journalist did you have anyone that you looked up to that you went wow they're really good at what they do oh you know something it's one of these questions that in two hours time i'll think of who that person is on the spot i i really don't know as i say my my, my lovely guidance teacher really um was was this enormous support but you know if, if, if you think back if i think back to that early um newsroom that i was in and one of my colleagues who i worked with then is now um home affairs correspondent with one of the major news organizations and you know, oh. kind of keep loosely in touch and think now that's 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 brilliant that's that's the way to go. Would I have ever been able to do that? I don't think no, so. I don't think so. That. Yeah, the, the actual the ability to do that role. Yeah. Yes, I would have I would have rushed at it headlong and gone, yes, give me the chance. But you know, living in London and but you're quite you're quite a home bird and, and you're like to your family family orientated very much so, right? Yeah, yeah. And um I yeah because I've done my my schooling and my education in Aberdeen and it's um it's a great place to have a family and uh <laughs> quite often people go what's your what's your what secrets what's your deepest secret and it's like well, I'm actually Glaswegian <laughs> it's like yeah yeah I'm Glaswegian born in Glasgow and like, you're not we swap, so I'm I'm an East Coaster originally, so I'm I'm not from Glasgow. Oh. I'm an imposter. You're a Pfeiffer, aren't you? No, Angus. How dare Angus, you? Angus, Angus, yeah. yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, actually, it's quite funny because I always used to. My dad always used to joke about going to Fife and how we had to get our our vaccinations before we went and stuff. And mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I ended up getting married in Fife and St Andrews, and and now I've uh, yeah moved to Glasgow. I love. I lived in Aberdeen for five years, so I love it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just. I studied in Glasgow and I just like the humour and the, just there's more, there's a lot more to it than oil and gas, you know, and it's... Yeah, of course, you know. I mean, it's a beautiful yeah. place and I'll, um, I'll always support it as my, my, my home city. But I do remember as a child going down to Glasgow to see my granny and it was just like, when you hit the M8 coming from Aberdeen and you'd have to go down the coast road. Yeah. Uh, Montrose, Narbroth and Dundee, it seemed such a long way and then you finally get to Aberdeen and it was the big lights of the M8, it was like metropolis. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like chalk and cheese as a wee girl going from Aberdeen. It's crazy though because you visited a lot I guess in, in recent years and it's changed so much right from when you were younger. And yeah, you uh, yeah. Oh, I just I love Glasgow, love Glasgow. Restaurants and, and you know the the, I don't know, the, even the Hydro's done a lot for the city and, and the, I don't know, the music culture's phenomenal and Barrowlands. People, people, what's it, people make Glasgow, but it's true. It they're, is true. They're, and they're, and they're, uh, they're, I don't know. The, the, the banter with the Glaswegians is great. Yeah, no, it's good. And uh, that's probably a positive way to finish the podcast, talking about Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> But put a plug in for Aberdeen as well, please. Yeah, I do. I, I think uh, we're very lucky in Scotland to have, uh, you know, got four great cities or five great cities, I suppose, if you could, uh, Dundee and Inverness. I'm, uh, I never, I think uh, Dundee merits some attention. I was born close to Dundee in Forfar, so at home of the Forfar Bridey and uh, East 55444 and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, on a farm's a country bumpkin, but I really, like, 
I was embarrassed to say I was from near Dundee, you know, it's like, you know, it was single mom capital of Europe at one stage and all these types of things, but what a rich history it's got. And, and, and I think the city's sort of turned a corner in a way with the, the VA and, and uh, there's so many good things about Dundee, but famous for German journalism, right? Yeah, and my mum. My mum's from Dundee. Wow. My mum's from Lochy in Dundee. Wow. Yeah. And uh, did uh, journalism's got such, you know, DC Thompson and, and the sort of the history of that, etc. That's it's. Do you spend much time in Dundee? No. 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 Not really. No. Not at all. Uh, well, when I was a little girl, yes. When I was a wee girl, and uh, my granny was in granny in Dundee as well. But uh, not so much recently. No. Ah. Uh, uh, you should go to the V&A. I think that's my. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I love that, the whole waterfront development. It's stunning. Yeah, a Japanese architect, no less. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah I, it was lovely speaking to you, though. Yeah, you too. Always nice to chat, James. Thank you for asking me. No, and, and I always like learning from you about comms and, and media and stuff. Well, I don't know. I'm still learning. Always learning. Yeah, it's an important thing to do, right? Yes. Yeah. But yeah. And... Uh, have a nice uh, run into the weekend and uh, and uh, take care of yourself, yeah. Thank you. I will do. You too. Hey, it was great to speak to Kirsten Gove. Next episode, we speak to Madeline Black, the Courage Cultivator. Madeline is a best-selling author and former TEDx Glasgow speaker. Find out a bit more about what we do at Mostly.Consulting. Thanks for listening to Mostly Talk. Find us online at mostly.consulting. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not leave us a review or tell a friend? Mostly.